0: Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots and from traveling around the world. This episode is called Poser. (laughs) It's called Poser for a number of reasons. I'm going to tell a uh, story about this weird, strange thing that I do. I do this um, yoga pose when I'm traveling. (laughs) I entertain a lot of people around the world with this uh, really strange thing that I do. And then we have some stories about um, flight attendants and pilots posing as passengers. So we have a lot of commuting stories. You know, we commute to work or you're um, just flying as standby as a passenger in your regular clothes or in your uniform. And, you know, we're posing as passengers and sometimes some strange things happen. And uh, then we have some stories really about posers. (laughs) Nobody likes a poser, right? And uh, somebody said to me, Recently, they're like, oh, you're not going to become like a place dropper, are you? And I was like, a place dropper? I had never even heard that term. I mean, we've all heard the term name dropper when someone, you know, drops some famous person's name to try to make them seem more interesting. And, um, but I never heard the word place dropper. And I certainly hope I don't come across as a place dropper. That's the very last reason why I travel just so I can say I've been somewhere. (laughs) I travel to live life to the fullest, if only for you know a week, and uh, and it's something I just love to do. So I certainly don't do it just to place drop. But I don't say things like, "Oh yes, I got my skirt in Saint (laughs) Tropez," you know, nothing like that. (laughs) I don't buy things usually when I'm going because I budget travel anyway. I don't want to be a place dropper, but uh, sometimes you're a poser when you don't even realize it because sometimes as an airline person, I sit in first class or business class going overseas because I'm flying standby, and if there's space, they they put you up there. So here you are, sort of posing as somebody that has more money than than, than I do. So I think wealth is so relative. You know, it's not just how much money you have. Because I feel wealthy when I'm sitting up there. You know, I'm so excited. It's exciting. It's so much nicer and I was having I was at the dentist and my dentist was working on my teeth and he was talking about how he was splurging gonna fly business class to Nice on a trip he was taking to France and he was saying yeah it's probably gonna be like four or five thousand dollars and I was thinking I certainly don't have that kind of money I would never be able to spend that kind of money on a flight and I said to him without even thinking oh yeah I only try to travel when I can fly business and later on I thought I don't think that sounded that good I didn't mean it that way you know Uh, I just meant that I try to fly when there aren't that many people flying, you know, at down times so that I can get in business because I'm flying standby. But I didn't mean to sound like, oh, yes, I only fly business. (laughs) You know, so sometimes you're a poser when you aren't even you're even trying to be. So we have all kind of interesting stories in this episode about, you know, posers. I'm
1: commuting up to L.A for from San Diego okay. okay and 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 a lot of people are doing this right a lot of people are yeah. doing it on San Diego we already talked about me work flying out of North Island and whatnot and so I get back from a trip and all the little Brazilias are parked over in terminal six right okay. and, and they used to have that little beehive over there brasilias that leave so I go running over there and I'm trying to catch a flight to San Diego yeah. And, and the lady's telling me, you know, no, they're getting ready to leave, you know, they're closing up the flight, okay. I go, no, I'm in my uniform. You know, no, honestly, I'll, I'll, quick like a, like a bunny. I'll run down there and, and I'll talk to the captain about jump seat, he says, okay, great, right? I mean, I'm making a scene about getting on this plane to get home, because I don't want to wait for the next flight. And so I run down there, there's like five Brazilians down there, and I see one with the stairs down and and the right engine's already running, and 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 I and I hop on it, and and I tell the flight attendant, the one flight attendant there, yeah. um she said I could come down. Captain, you guys mind if I bum a ride with you? Because no, 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 go ahead, buddy. Just sit down, sit down, oh shut gosh, up, where was it going? sit down, shut up. They pull the <laughs> stairs up, and she starts with her brief. They're going to Palm Springs. <laughs> and. And, and so now, they've got the left engine going, they've got both engines going, and they're going, and I'm back in the back yelling, Palm Springs, I and I want to go to Palm Springs. Oh, God, I want to go to San in my uniform, and I'm making a scene. You gotta let me off. And now, you know, the door's up. And she's like, hey, that pilot you just let on, he wants off, he's not going to Palm Springs. They had to shut the engine down, put the stairs down. I was so embarrassed, but I, I, I was sitting back there weighing no, the weight of embarrassment versus the weight of being in Palm Springs <laughs> with, with no transportation on. They're
0: all. like, hey, that pilot doesn't know where he's going. <laughs> yeah. Don't miss a
1: mate, I do do I'm
0: So about a week ago I was posing as a passenger. <laughs> I was in regular clothes, I was sitting in coach, totally full flight, sitting next to, of course, strangers, and um I was flying to training, so it's about an hour and 30 minute flight, and we had the little TVs in front, and it's not really long enough to see a movie. So, um, I decided to watch something on HBO because I don't have cable, and you know, you hear about these shows. and I thought I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch one of those HBO shows, it's probably just the right, right amount of time. So, I uh, I picked True Blood, which is a vampire show, and Anna Paquin, the girl from the piano, is in it, and um. You know she's Oscar winner, and I heard good things about it, so I'm thinking, oh, good, I get to watch that show I've never seen. So I got my headphones on, and I start watching, and I can tell it's a good show, it's well written, Um, but boy, is it racy! Racy is not really the right term. I mean, I'm watching it, and there's a naked girl, naked guy doing it. There's uh, ropes involved, and I was like, whoa! Stuck my hands in front of the screen because I'm thinking everybody else can, thinks I'm watching porn. I, mean, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" But I, you know, I wanted to keep watching it, not to see the porn, because I could tell it was a good show. I was just hoping the the um, the uh, sex part would end so I could take my hands down and I'm, I'm looking around, thinking, "Is anybody watching?" And then uh, I, you know, I, I they stopped doing it and got on with the show. So I watched it again, and sure enough, another. It was like I was watching softcore porn on the airplane. We didn't used to have stuff like that on the airplane. I don't really know what's going on because, you know, there could be kids sitting there. I didn't know what to do. So I took out the uh, safety information card (laughs) and made like a tunnel. (laughs) And nobody could see what I was watching. (laughs) So here I was posing as a passenger watching porn on the airplane. (laughs) You had an embarrassing moment. You were in your uniform. I'm in my uniform,
1: okay. And 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 you know I've been commuting, so I got my whole little routine down. You know, I mean this is the only way that I can make commuting palatable. I'm I'm, I got to get up in the morning. I I always bid. I got some seniority, so I always bid for afternoon sign-ins, so so I can fly there the same day. So I get on the seven o'clock flight in the morning out of San Diego. I get there at noon, 11:45. Sign-in is at two o'clock. I got my whole little routine down. You know. And, and I've got my laptop with me, and I always get a movie, rent a movie, I stop at Blockbuster or something on the way to the airport, get a movie I haven't seen. So it's something like American Pie. It's a little racy, but, still, yeah. but it's not, you know, it's not inappropriate to that degree. And so do my three-day trip, get back to Dallas, you know, I got about an hour to kill, and I'm thinking about, you know, maybe I'll get something to eat and I'll, I'll just get really comfortable. I'm looking at the loads, ooh, I'm gonna get first class. It's gonna be really good. They're gonna feed me. This is gonna be great. I got my movie, I got like a movie, I'm gonna get fed. I settle in, I even remember the seat I'm in. I'm in 3B, aisle seat. There's a little lady, she's older than me. I'm thinking she's probably in her 60s, in, in 3A, the window seat. She settles in. I'm thinking this late you know, this lady she strikes me as being a little bit nervous, you know, not comfortable. I have got her kind of, you know, summed up as maybe a non revs mom or something, you know. Got her yeah, yeah, I got her kind of peg. And so I put the movie in, open it up, start it up, and the beginning, it pops up, it's just like this beautiful college woman and I'm thinking, okay, and, and she's showing lots of cleavage and and it continues and just right about Right about you know like three four seconds into this, she reaches down for the bottom of her shirt, and she lifts up like she's getting ready to expose her breasts, but it's not. It's like just a, it's another screen displaying all your options. It's a menu thing, but this lady is kind of looking of the side of her eye, and all she catches is this this girl on the screen lifting her shirt, and she looks away, and I'm thinking, oh my God, I know what she's thinking. She's thinking, I'm watching porn over here, and I'm in my uniform. The next thing she does is her call button, and the flight attendant's coming to the seat, and she's, he's, ah, he, ah, ah. She's like, <laughs> branded, she can't, she's so, so disturbed by this little incident. She can hardly talk, and she doesn't speak English very well. And I'm like, oh my God. And she's like, and like no, it was just a she scared me right out of first class. I got up, I told the plan, I'm gonna go sit in the back. This is what I'm watching. It wasn't, you know, you know you'd like, you wanna explain, and nobody cares, but you feel like you need to explain. And,
0: so you uh, didn't get your first class seat after all?
1: No, I sat in coach all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Greeting the creation with salutation. Surya, Namaskar, good start in the day. Bending in every impossible way.
0: Another way that passengers get confused because they don't have all the information is when flight attendants are deadheading. A lot of you may have heard this term. It's the term we use when we are flying as a passenger, but we're working. We're either going to cover a flight or we're deadheading home just to get back to base. And this happens a lot when you're rerouted. You know, you might have to work the next flight. So you're in your uniform. So you're sitting as a passenger in your uniform. This really confounds the traveling public <laughs> one time i was dead it was a short flight it was like salt lake la um i'm sitting in the middle seat and this person kept giving me the like the evil eye the stink eye <laughs> thinking what <laughs> just sitting here full flight in my middle seat thinking what you know what's wrong and apparently they thought i was like the laziest flight attendant ever because here all the other flight attendants were working and i'm sitting down doing nothing. So they thought I was being lazy, but I was actually just deadheading. And at the end of the flight, that person actually, I think because they wanted to make sure I did something, I'm sitting in the middle seat and they go, can I get a blanket? And it's so funny, because if I was working, why in the world would I be sitting in the middle seat where I can't even get out to the aisle? I can't get a blanket. They they were standing at that point. (laughs) They could get a blanket. So I explained to them, you know, I'm actually a passenger. It just happened to be in my uniform. But, you know, if this other person will get out, I'll I'll go look for a blanket for you. It just tends to make people uncomfortable when you're sitting down in a seat in your uniform. You know, the news these days is all about how much money everybody's lost, how everybody's house is getting foreclosed. It's really depressing. And I think sometimes we dwell so much on the negative, we don't even notice some of the things that are actually good. And one area that I think we've actually have been triumphing lately is the high school wars. You know what I mean by the high school wars, you know, like The popularity in high school, it seems like it's always the quarterback and the beauty queen and the cheerleader and people that maybe aren't as smart, you know, but they happen to be really good looking. They get to be the popular ones. Doesn't really seem fair, does it? Those high school days. (laughs) But right now, at this point in time, I think we're actually winning the high school wars. I mean, we've got the black guys, the president, our two most successful talk show hosts, are the plucky lesbian and the heavyset black woman. I mean... I doubt they were the homecoming king and queen, but you never know. (laughs) And look at our movie stars right now. You know, Tom Cruise, Russell Crowe, you know, they're not doing as well, you know, posers. But the people right now that are doing really, are making huge box office and making good money are people like Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen and Jason Siegel. I mean, the nice, smart, funny people that you would have wanted to be friends with in high school. So, I think every once in a while we have to acknowledge when things are going well, and I think we're winning those high school wars. So, woohoo!
2: Baby, yeah. Down in New Orleans or something after layover, and we're going through security, and security oh, posts yeah. these uh, notices about um, uh, different countries who don't meet uh, present security standards for, for instance you know this place doesn't meet our re- security requirements. so anyways we're going through and there's a notice right before security that says attention traveling public Lima Peru does not meet our security requirements and the flight attendant next to me goes well that's awful and I go what's awful she goes that and I go what she goes that just because this Lima Peru person didn't pass her security exam they're posting her name in the public and I go you're kidding right she goes no and I go Lima Peru's a city in the country of Peru she goes oh my god I'm so embarrassed she thought it was a person this is true. Yeah, this is Lima. a true story. I, oh, yeah. My friend
0: Lima. <laughs> you are doing great for
3: real. The feel is
0: Something I find fascinating is how relative wealth is. I mean, here in Los Angeles, a lot of people would consider me like on the poor end of things, (laughs) you know, I mean, I live in an apartment, I don't make that much money. Uh, I drive an older car. But you know what, I don't feel poor. And actually, I feel wealthy, because, because of my job and being able to fly almost free, and then I budget travel when I get there, and I have the ability to, you know, manipulate my schedule so I can get a lot of time off. I really feel wealthy. So if you know, in today's system of wealth, I'm poor, I don't care because I feel wealthy. But you know, with the economic downturn and everything, um, it's really easy to get down on yourself. And uh, one of my yoga teachers here in LA just wrote a uh, book, Live in the Moment. His name's David Romanelli. I'll put a link uh, to his book on my website, but I'm going to read you just a little bit um, that he wrote. About wealth, and uh, then you can get an idea if you would be interested in his book. It says In our culture, there are so many people who scrape to get by because there is only one financial reward system. I'm uh, not proposing the nonsense of changing our whole economic system, but I'm proposing we honor those who have no chance of making $10 million a year, but who deserve credit accumulated through different skills and talent. This game honors people. For how many beautiful moments they achieve in a day, how much time they reserve for their family and loved ones, and let's define this new region carved out for the spiritually wealthy. I'm going to call this spiritually wealthy world Mas Jagas, simply because it rhymes with Las Vegas. In Mas Jagas, there is a system similar to the bank that offers currency for your spiritual wealth. Let's call it the dank, you know, which sounds like the bank. And let's use the word honey, not because they'd get honey from the ATM, but because it rhymes with money. There need to be bankers, similar to analysts who would gauge one's spiritual wealth, and let's call them dankers. <laughs> this would really flip things around. Surely some great school teachers, street bums, taxi drivers, city workers, flight attendants, <laughs> could be fabulously rich in this other game. <laughs> but how would they be able to f- spend this form of currency? Well, they'd set up stores with products where you could spend your honey. These stores would sell beautiful things, rich with the intentions of their makers. There would be private schools for the spiritually wealthy children. Of course, the parents would need to be able to afford such schools, so naturally, such parents would have to have lots of honey to really thrive in Moschegas. Here are some examples how people would earn honey in Jagas. Watching the sunrise, $1,500 1,500 credits. Enjoying a beautiful song, 500 credits. Giving a hug to someone else, 1,500 credits. Telling someone you love them, 3,500 credits. Making an elderly person feel loved, 5,000 credits. Okay, so you've got lots of honey, and you're gonna be living large in jagas but if you get greedy, the dank will limit and ultimately close your account. <laughs> yes, there is an exclusive quality to Mas Jagas, but why can't the spiritually wealthy, public workers, teachers, and bus drivers, live the good life? Whether or not you believe such a world will someday exist, spiritual wealth is an absolute vital ingredient for good living and something vastly underrated in our society. They won't tell you at the doctor's office that your soul's sick. In court, the judge won't quote Bob Marley. You know, you don't gain the world and lose your soul. Wisdom is better than diamonds and gold. Actually, I really cut that up, but I know you didn't want me to sit here and read from the book forever. (laughs) But I think that uh, in today's economy with everything going so bad, you know, if you need a pick-me-up, his book is uh, a good way to really rethink the way our world is today and, uh, you know, lift your spirits. So you were a commuter,
3: right? It was a commuter, and it was uh, many years. Uh, yeah, out of 28 years, 27 years, and I was going to Salt Lake from LA, and the Celtics were on, oh, cool. and uh, of course that was the time when Larry Bird was playing. Oh yeah, big time. They were all on, and Johnny Miller, who was a golfer he wanted to get on and he wanted to be in first class well he didn't get first class and he was fit to be tied and you
2: were in first
3: class? <laughs> and he was fit to be tied, well he was in the had the little area we called El Segundo, yeah. right oh, behind yeah. there yeah. and he was just going back and why, why can't I get up there? Why? and all the Celtics are you know like six feet ten and you know they're gigantic right. so that's why they got first class i was sitting there looking at all these guys that were famous basketball players, so I went to Larry Bird and I said, you're famous, but the guy sitting over there, he's more famous because he's my age, because he was playing with Bob Cousy. And he looks up at me, he just smiles, you know, a real nice guy, but all the time that we were going for an hour and 20 minutes to Salt Lake, Johnny Miller and his kid, they were back, why can't I get up first class, why can't get up? Because you're not first class stuff. <laughs> You know, here's the, he's a multi-millionaire you know. Here you are. Yeah, I'm sitting I'm up there. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, um, but I haven't mentioned El Segundo. El Segundo is a little town in Los Angeles that everybody forgets about. So we called the little section behind first class that we would sometimes forget about El Segundo. Yeah, yeah we used to do that a lot.
2: I think
1: I just forget about that little section. Yeah.
0: So I do this funny, weird thing when I'm traveling. Um, when I go to places, especially developing countries, most of them don't do a lot of yoga if I've mentioned on the podcast that I do a lot of yoga, but I have for many, many years. And uh, when I'm traveling, I like to show the local people uh, yoga posts that, you know, they usually don't do yoga. So they they like to see something different and try to do something different they haven't done. It's just like the reason why I travel. I like to learn to do something different and they like it when you can show them something different. So (laughs) when I was in Tobago of Trinidad and Tobago a few years back, I've actually done this quite a few places, but the two funniest ones were in Tobago. I had met this young guy. He was a guide when I'd gone on this birding day trip. We'd gone to this bird island, and he said he invited me to this concert of some local music that night, and I went, and, you know, there were a lot of his friends there, and, you know, they're like 19, 20, 21, 22, young guys in good shape, and uh, we were sitting around this pool, and when there was a break in the music, you know, it didn't seem like conversation was going anywhere, so... I said, uh, Hey, can you guys do this? (laughs) Luckily, I had pants on because I can't do this pose without exposing myself (laughs) if I'm wearing anything but pants. But I had pants on, so I said, Hey, can you do this? And I did a bird of paradise, which is a yoga pose. And uh, it's a good, like, cocktail party yoga pose because most people can't do it, especially if they've had a cup of cocktail. (laughs) It's a balanced pose. I'm going to try to explain it to you, but I also put a picture up on my website, bettyinthesky.com. So, I'm going to try to explain it quickly, even though it's always hard when you can't see somebody doing it. But if you have your feet like hips width and you bend over and take your right arm and put it through your legs and take your left arm and reach it behind you and clasp your other hand. So now you've you've got your hands clasped between your legs. Now you're going to stand up on the foot that isn't Uh, doesn't have the hands wrapped around it, the leg, you're going to stand up on the other foot and stand all the way up now (laughs) and lift the leg that's bound straight up to the sky. So you're like doing standing splits with your arms wrapped (laughs) around your legs. (laughs) Um, What's so funny about this and the reason why I do this pose is because it's a pose that um, most people could do if they really, really, you know, tried, but if you've never seen it before, most of the time you end up hopping around with your arms between your legs. <laughs> which can be kind of funny. So I had all these young boys in Tobago hopping around this pool trying to balance and trying to lift their leg up. <laughs> it's amazing how doing something like that puts everybody in a good mood. And the next day this um this kid comes running down the street and he's like, Patty, Patty, Betty, wait, look and <laughs> He was one of the divers. He was in really good shape. He's like, look! And he did, did a perfect bird of paradise pose. And I was like, woohoo! <laughs> and then when I was on Rapa Nui, Easter Island, about a year and a half ago, I was in a local bar. And somebody said to me, oh, you're one of our favorite tourists we've ever had here because you don't just do what the tourists do. You know, you really want to see what the locals do. I like, my whole point of traveling. So I was in this local bar. There were two other tourists and the rest of the people were all locals. And uh, I'd already had a couple drinks and, you know, um, feeling silly. And I'm like, Hey, can you guys do this? The whole bar stops what they're doing. And everybody try, and I, I bend over, I clasp my hands, I start to, to stand up, and I lift my leg all the way up. Next thing you know, the whole bar is jumping around with their hands clasped between their legs, trying to do this pose. (laughs) And uh, the next day, I'm walking around in this pickup truck, pickup truck with a bunch of local people. They stop and they go, hey, hey, Betty, can you grab your butt again? (laughs) And I started laughing because at first I was like, what? that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can, you know what, maybe I shouldn't say so we can travel the world together. Does that sound like a place dropper? Does that sound like a poser? I'm not sure. (laughs) Anyway, I hope you feel wealthy and I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye.